Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And yes, indeed, we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. It's a real Yay. honor. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. Had a little bit of an adventure last week. Uh-huh. One of those little health adventures that sometimes we have. Um, let me set this up real quick. But he's back. Yay. Yeah, I yeah, I'm glad I'm back. And uh, I missed a little, uh, I missed some chapters of what we're going through. Uh, as you know, folks, here on the Bible Live, we go through the entire Bible every year from Genesis all the way through Malachi and the Hebrew scriptures, all the way from Matthew to the book of Revelation, the New Testament, every Every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible, we go through it. You can hear the Bible. I read that to you. Perfect reading, flawless readings from the New Living Translation. If you say so yourself. Uh, if I do say so myself. Well, the, the miracle flawless. of editing. Yes. <laughs> the miracle of editing. It, it's a little less uh, braggadocio than you would think. But uh, we read through the entire Bible at thebiblelive.com. All you have to do is go to thebiblelive.com, our website, and you can find all of the readings there, 15 to 20 minute reading for every weekday, Monday through Friday. And you can hear those there on your uh, cell phone or your computer, whatever device you use. You can read, hear the Bible read all the way through every year. And then here on Sunday nights, we get a chance to talk about a little bit more uh, each of those passages. This past week, we read from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41, in 1 Kings chapter 18, through 2 Kings chapter 12. So we, this is just this past week. Now, the book of Kings, the book of First and Second Kings, are uh, a really, uh, by the way, Stacey, did you know in our, our New Living Translation, it's got a great uh, graphic mm-hmm. here in the, about all of the different kings of uh, Israel in, in the north and Judah in the south, uh, along with uh, you know the, the different dates mm-hmm. that they reigned in their different uh, kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And then I have put together, and I, I really want to put that on our website, I have put together a timeline from about 950 B.C., to uh, at the time of the ending of of, of uh, Solomon's reign, just before the the kingdom divides between Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and I have put together a timeline that shows you uh, where uh, the different times the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah have those placed, so that you can know when they reigned, and also the, all the prophets when the prophets. Uh, the different prophets exercised mm-hmm. their ministries on that same timeline. So you see uh, 
that Elijah, for example, is uh, a major prophet in the time of Ahab and Ahaziah and Joram. So Elijah, the, the prophet, and that's the period that we're in right now that we are covering. And so you you will find it. I, I'm hoping I can get that put up on our website because it, it is a little bit of a jungle. If you jump into the book of the Kings uh, w- without a map, without a scorecard, <laughs> you'll, you'll pretty soon you'll, you'll kind of get lost between this king and that king and the other king and the king of Israel, or we're talking about the king of Judah now, because in the book of the Kings, they cover all of the different kings of Israel in the north and Judah in the south. That's approximately, I, I counted them one time, it seems to me like there was something like 22 kings in uh, Israel in the north and about 22 kings in Judah in the south. Judah in the south endured a much longer because, of course, uh, as you will see if you read the books of the kings, uh, Israel in the north was incredibly unstable. They immediately, uh, under Jeroboam, they immediately um, went into idolatry. They abandoned the temple. They abandoned the worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there was a tremendous amount of chaos constantly, almost constantly, mm-hmm. in their, in their uh, experience. Now, they only lasted from about, what was it, um, 930 let me see. Let me get it right here. We went from 1050 with Saul to 1010. 1010 to 970 was David. 970 to 930 is Solomon. Uh, from about 930 on, uh, then Jeroboam broke off in the north, and Rehoboam uh, became king in Judah in the south. Uh so let's see, from 930 to 722. In 722, now all of these dates that I'm giving you now are really, if you want to kind of get a handle on the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, you really do need to remember these particular dates. Now, uh, the fact that uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, and David and Solomon all reigned approximately 40 years each. Now, these are approximations, not because we're unsure or don't know that clearly, but because often there were they overlapped or they, they for example, David reigned for seven years, just reigning over the Judah and Benjamin in the south. And then he was proclaimed king over all of uh, all of Israel. Uh, so the, some of these dates are movable, and sometimes they there were co-regencies. There were two kings while the the dad was still alive, and this but the son began to reign in his stead. So the the two of them were there. So the reigns did overlap a bit, and so on. But you can uh, you can I'll put this on our website if I can get it into PDF format and get it posted on the website. If you'd ever like to download it, it is helpful to be able to see when the different kings reigned uh, from uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Now, Israel lasted from nine, about 930 to 722. What's that? About uh, 200 years about. And they had 22 kings. Every one of them was evil. Every one of them was wicked. Not any of them followed faithfully after the Lord. Um and Israel was very much unstable. 
Uh, that's why they have the same number of kings, but in a much shorter period. Now, the kings in Judah in the south, uh, there were a kind of a mixed uh, message there. There were some who were godly, who kept calling them back to follow after the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their the father David. They're, they're in the lineage of King David. And so uh, they have some who who do well and reign uh, long and have long successful reigns. Others were very wicked, as wicked as anything. Uh, and that's interesting to know about First and Second Kings, uh, that you have them all together. Now, when you get into the book of Chronicles, uh, Chronicles is a special history that was written later after the people of Israel had completed their 70 years of of uh, exile in Babylon in Babylonia then they were, were led back to they were allowed to return uh, uh, many thousands of them returned to Israel uh and this was uh written as a special history so that they could uh remember and it only covers the kings uh I don't know if you knew this but it only covers the kings of um of Judah in the south so the kings of Judah and the south are covered. And so it's less confusing, uh, the, the book of Chronicles is, uh, as a, written by Ezra. Remember the scribe, who's also the author of his own book, the book of Ezra, Would, the scribe that returned to Israel mm-hmm. after the, the uh, exile. Yeah, honey. Would the northern kingdom have still at that point even been a, a Together, would they have not? No, they will have disappeared and never were reconstituted by the time the chronicles were written. Right, so that's what that's probably yeah, that's another reason. But he didn't include their history, uh, even before Mm -hmm. because he was trying to what Ezra was trying to do with the writing of the book of chronicles. It was a selected history, not because he selected what was true and what was not true, but he was trying to remind these returning exiles. Of who they were, mm-hmm. of their of their heritage, of their legacy of faith, the, right. the, the their relationship to to God, mm-hmm. and so he included the lineage of King David only, and uh, he even left out some of the uglier parts of the history, like mm-hmm. he doesn't recount the uh, uh, the adultery of David mm-hmm. and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to remind them of, of the positive good. Uh, side of their heritage of who they are as a people uh, so that they could recover and recuperate their their faith and their uh the priority of their relationship with god Mm -hmm. but the but the book of kings is really great it's very exciting it can be very good but you it's it is helpful to be able to keep up with who the different prophets were in the time of the different kings. And so if I can put this on the website, uh, you may, there, there are others, maybe if you have a, a, if you have a New Living Translation from Tyndale Publishers, if, if you have their study Bible, and some of the other study Bibles also have a table of uh, a kind of a, a timeline as well that you can look at. But mine uh, includes uh, as well the prophets, which is a good thing because uh, if not, you just kind of get lost All of these kings coming and going, whether it's Israel or in the north or Judah in the south. And then on top of that, you've got these different prophets that are prophesying and preaching to them during their different reigns. And so uh, it's it's a helpful little uh, uh, diagram for you to have. Yeah, to see who is whose contemporary. I always think that that's fun. (laughs) And the Bible makes it so easy for us to do. I mean, it... uh, 
you know, it's complicated, but it is fun to be able to to see who was alive during whose time and think, oh, how interesting. This person's writing and doing this here while so-and-so is doing this, you know, elsewhere. So right. I yeah, like exactly. that part and, of it. And it's possible. It's possible to pick up a Bible uh, as a new believer, a young person or someone, to pick up a Bible and just read, uh, you know, even if you started in the Kings, and just read a story. Uh and and you can get certainly get something out of it. You can learn something from uh, these different kings, both the wicked, uh, faithless ones and the the good ones, those who were faithful to God and courageous to follow after the Lord. You you can get something out of them. There's some wonderful uh, applications for us as God's people. But if you want to kind of uh, follow and and get more in detail the details of how God was working in and through and with them and and what he was doing uh, through the people group, this people group we call uh, Israel or uh, uh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, you can see the, these covenants that God made to work with them and through them. And he keeps that covenant even though they're – I think that's one of the great lessons we get out of this chaos. It's almost like the book of Judges, but this time you're dealing with kings – it's a little right. more complicated because you've got the, the kingdom divided and you've got kings of, and they and they interrelate and uh, there's this constant pressure. Uh, Jehoshaphat, for example, in, in the in the section we read this past week, Jehoshaphat uh, was a, a godly king, loved the Lord, tried to serve the Lord as best he could, and, and a king of Judah in the south, but he had a uh, he had a kind of a restlessness to reunite the tribes. Now, all of them kind of idealized that, mm -hmm. you know, they're, the time of Israel united and so on. Which was really such a short time, actually, relative to... Really, it was 120 years, those three mm -hmm. kings, you know. Mm -hmm. But Jehoshaphat tries, and you could, you could see if you read his story, he's trying to be nice. He tries <laughs> to relate positively to... Uh, the kings of uh, Israel in the north. He tries to relate positively to Ahab. And Ahab, though, is one of the more wicked mm -hmm. kings of all of uh, of um, Israel in the north. Ahab is in, in, incredibly wicked and, and marries, in fact, he marries uh, uh, Jezebel, who is the daughter. She is the, the daughter of the king of Phoenicia, mm -hmm. Sidon, uh, mm -hmm. Sidon uh, Tyre and Sidon, uh, which are just south of Damascus, which is one of the great, the powerhouse, one, one of the powerful uh, nations of that period, what's called Aram, the Arameans. Uh, and the, Aram was uh, there, and they were they they were just to the north, but the Phoenicians and Sidon and and um, Tyre and Sidon, they were uh, Baal worshippers, mm -hmm. and the king of 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 um, Phoenicia was also the high priest of the worship of Baal. His daughter is Jezebel, mm -hmm. and Ahab marries her <laughs> and as you can imagine that became a terrible mess mm. and because Jezebel was very intentional some of the others were just wicked on their own merits their own way they were just 
individually wicked. Jezebel was strategically, intentionally uh, an activist to overcome uh, the worship of God and to install the worship of Baal in the north. So she is very intentional as uh, the daughter of the high priest of Baal in, in the north. So Ahab marries Jezebel. Well, Jehoshaphat, in his in his idea of of um, uh, of serving God, he lets his son Joram marry Ahab and Jezebel's daughter uh, Athaliah, mm. and so he's you know he's trying to kind of I believe the idea there is he's trying to somehow produce a good relationship and perhaps affect a reunion of the of the different tribes, but it turns out to be a tremendous disaster uh, because it just it gives an inroad. Uh, into the uh, into David's lineage, and Athaliah ends up murdering everybody in David's lineage. Almost, Seven, almost seventeen children, mm. she murders them. Um, well, of course, we have to realize too that Jehu had murdered all of her children. <laughs> so yeah. you got this you got this thing going on where uh, uh Jehu and we'll come mm-hmm. back to this we'll, we'll get into the more the detail the kind of the timeline of the story as it relates to Elijah. Uh but remember when Elijah had this great battle at Mount Carmel with uh the uh with the Pretty prophets of Baal. Yeah. Uh he, and they and they won. God sent fire down from heaven and, and lapped up his sacrifice. And then he had right after that great victory, he 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 kills all of these uh what was it? Seven hundred prophets of Baal? Right, yeah. And then you read that and then uh And Elijah himself ready. does it. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. And so the Ahab and Jezebel are quite ticked off they're very angry and she threatens elijah and he flees down to mount sinai for his life he runs for his life and god meets him there remember he goes into that cave and there's a famous story of the the uh uh fire well the wind uh then the earthquake the fire, and then finally the still small voice that God speaks to him there. And uh, he is told to, this was all last week's story, he was yeah. told to anoint three people. One is the s- successor to uh, th- this king of Aram that I just told you about, uh, 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 ben, ha- ben Hadad. He was to anoint the uh the successor to Ben Hadad of Aram, he was to anoint uh, Jehu to be king of Judah, and then Jehu was going to clean house on Ahab and Jezebel, and then he was to appoint and anoint uh, Elisha to be his own successor as well. So that's kind of the lead up to all of this. Uh, we get in in this particular reading. We're going this particular week. We read about this this tremendous threat. It's a, it's only about a fifty to sixty year period, but it was a time of great threat to uh, even to Judah. Uh, 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 Athaliah, uh, Ahab, and Jezebel have their tremendous impact, uh, and then their daughter, uh, their son Ahaziah comes. Joram. 
uh, marries Jehoshaphat's daughter, and then uh, they 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 lead this rebellion, and they uh, after Jehu has his uh, wiping out Ahab and Jezebel, then Athaliah the daughter tries to wipe out all of the lineage of David. And she almost accomplishes that. But a, a really amazing situation happened. Her sister or half-sister, another daughter of of her same mother, married the high priest of Is of Judah. So here she is, the high priestess of 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 um Baal and this woman named Jehosheba marries the high priest of Israel in the south. She marries the high priest of Israel, of Judah in the south. And she and her husband save that one baby, oh. Joash. They yeah. save his life. They keep him hidden in the temple for six years. Mm-hmm. They save his life. And then, uh, then they come out public and they affect the 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 demise of Athaliah, and then they establish Joash at seven years of age. Then Joash becomes the king of Judah in the south. So, just in a quick overview, that, that's yeah. that's kind of what we covered uh, this past week, and it and it's very exciting and it's very interesting because this was a tremendous threat to the covenant uh, that God had made to the people of Israel that that through the lineage of David, he is going to bring about the Messiah, the king, uh, the ultimate king, uh, uh, the Messiah of all of God's people worldwide. And uh, Athaliah almost uh, uh, succeeds in cutting off, but but Athaliah, she's the only queen Judah ever has uh, in the south. She, uh, after her uh, husband dies, she... um, she becomes the queen and reigns for, I think she reigns for about seven years as well, if I remember correctly, uh, but leading Israel. And, and, but Jehu, Jehu is one of a very, we'll talk about Jehu a little bit uh, during this hour because he is the loose cannon. He is the loose cannon that God turns loose on uh, Ahab and Jezebel and on uh, all of those different groups Jehu goes in and he cleans house wipes everybody out and um he, he probably goes too far in fact he's told later that he went too far he shouldn't in in his zeal but uh Jehu uh, completes his task uh they have this big battle they try to kill out the the, the descendants of David but finally Joash comes out on uh, on top and uh, Jehu ends his time in 814 uh, and Joash, while Joash is king in Judah in the south. And so from there on, it goes goes forward. But uh, that that is a very stormy period. And we'll come back and go over it in a little bit and uh, take some of your calls. We'll, uh, maybe you'll have some questions about these different individuals and the amazing way that God was able to preserve his covenant and his, his relationship with the people of Judah in the south, with the nation of Israel. Even though there are wicked, sinful people, God still, without abusing the free will of any individual, 
God still is able to bring about his perfect will, using even sometimes enemies of the of the redemptive plan, using enemies even. He uses them positively to carry out his plan. So we can look at all of that. We'll come back after this message, and I'll give Stacy a chance to talk. <laughs> I just uh, kind of catching us up a bit in this first segment. And uh, we'll come back and talk about this period of time. Take your phone calls, 210 340 9585 Even in the eye of the storm when things are going very wrong and badly God is with us his covenant his promises remain faithful and true and that's one thing we see very clearly here in the books of First and Second Kings. Uh, even in these ups and downs experiences, backwards and forwards and uh, difficult times, God is still faithful. He is still working sometimes behind the scenes and people didn't know exactly, but they had to walk by faith. Just as you and I do quite often when things don't go our way, they they don't look like they should. What we have to realize, folks, that this is by design. God knew what he's doing. He is, he is calling out, out of the people of planet Earth, God is calling out a people for himself. That's his redemptive plan. and it, But it, he's doing it in a context where good and evil coexist. Uh, there is no favoritism. It doesn't, uh, you know, just because we give our lives uh, to God and begin to follow Jesus and, and confess and are forgiven of all of our sins, still we trip and stumble and fall. Tri- still we're subject to temptation and we're subject to suffer the consequences of our own w- sin and wickedness and failures and mistakes and even the wickedness and failures and mistakes of others. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the way it is. It's not an accident. Uh, this is the... This is the f- the fair, just environment in which when men and women make their decision, do I want God? Do I want to be a part of the people of God? Do I want to worship God? Do I want to be with God uh, and experience God Do I in his love and his power, or do I not? That's the fundamental question that every human being on planet Earth has to answer. And uh, and Paul talks about this in Romans 1 and 2. No matter how much or how little they know of the exact redemptive plan, the special revelation, the special work that God has carried out to bring the Messiah into the world, everybody is privy to general revelation. Every human being on planet Earth, every human being, even the the uh, child in the womb and so on, God is covenanted. He, reveal, he is faithful to reveal himself to every human being. And those who desire him, who respond with longing, with faith, with the desire for honor, for goodness, for righteousness, for immortality. That's what Paul talks about in Romans. Uh, God uh, receives them. Now, they may know some of them may know very little. Some of may some of them may call God by another name that that we're unfamiliar. You know, the Native Americans didn't know about Jehovah. The Native Americans here five, six, eight hundred years ago on this continent that we call North America, they didn't know about uh, Jesus, but they knew about the, the God of Nature, the Great Spirit, 
And, and they some, and you can read about this in some of the histories of tribe, different tribes across North America. Some, many, in fact, I believe, uh, followed after and sought after God. They wanted to honor. They wanted to be good. They wanted to be, uh, uh, and they they wanted immortality. The things that Paul mentions, righteousness, and so on. And we're we're to understand that they too uh, are welcomed into God's kingdom, into glory, into heaven, if you will. And only when they get in heaven are they going to realize and understand in the whole plan that uh, His name was Jesus, you know, and uh, that He came and what He did so that they could be welcomed into glory. Because as Jesus said, "I'm the word, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me." Everyone is not going to, a lot of people are not going to know, uh, or in history, even from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, some of these great heroes didn't know the name of Jesus and him personally, the Messiah, but they followed, they wanted, desired God, they trusted in God's mercy and goodness and what they knew of God and understood of him, what God had revealed to them, they responded with faith and longing, and then God applies the whole work of redemption to them, even though they don't know what that whole work is. And frankly, even you and I, Stacy, mm-hmm. as much as we know about the gospel, see, we're 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 extremely fortunate. We're living at the last of this this kingdom age. We're living at that we know the gospel. We know you know two thousand years now of seeing the gospel spread around planet Earth. We know about the Messiah. We know about the books of the Hebrew Scriptures. We know about the prophecies, all fulfilled in Jesus. We know about His perfect sinless life. We know about His rising from the dead. We, we know, know about name. all of this. We, and we have the whole picture, and we have two thousand years of watching the history of God's people and, and seeing the gospel it, transforming the lives of thousands and millions of human beings. And so, but even though we know all that, even you and I don't mm-hmm. comprehensively, perfectly mm-hmm. have a perfect view and understanding of God, his character and his ways. Mm-hmm. Even you and I sometimes are befuddled sure. and God, why are you doing this? What right. we don't understand. So we're all still learning. Uh, so no one knows, <laughs> no one has a hundred percent lock. You know, we don't have God in a box by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but we're called upon to walk by faith in what we do know of him. And as we do that, he is faithful, according to his word, to give us even more light. Remember, that's what Jesus told his parable about. Uh, you know, if we act and use what we do understand of the gospel, God will give us even more. Right. It reminds me of that. Remember that that Lewis, we talked about it recently even. But the more you go in, the more you understand, the more there is to understand so how in this yes. world, yes. the more, the further in you go, the smaller things get. Whereas in heaven, the further in you go, the larger things yeah. get. I think we have a, we have that a little backwards in our times. We somehow think that as we become more spiritual, as we become, let's say, a biblical scholar, as we log uh, uh, lots of years and lots of miles sharing the gospel and serving the Lord, we think that that makes us more and more narrow. Right. And yes, there is a uh, sense, there is called the narrow path, yes. a narrow road. It's because few there are that find it. It's not because mm-hmm. it, it becomes simpler and simpler. The further in and the higher up we go with God, 
the broader and broader is our understanding. I always think of music in that sense. The oh, more yeah, you understand it, the more you recognize the narrow definitions of particular notes. You exactly. Know, uh, and yeah, you're I, able to become a Beethoven it, it, or a, right. a Brahms or, the, you know, you're, uh, but the more you understand it. Yeah. Uh, so the more spiritual understanding we gain, not only from knowing the Bible, which is important, but from obeying the Bible more than anything else and walking with God faithfully, the more we do that, no matter if we're a pastor, we're evangelists, we're missionaries, whatever it is, the more you walk with God in a faithful and, and trusting in him, mm-hmm. the more you're going to grow and you're deeper in your understanding of God and, uh, the, and of people and experience and of, of God as well. You. Yeah. Go ahead. Say, say, say. Well, and of people and of the world around you, um, because of course, the more you understand his creation, the, the, the more fun it gets really. I, I don't know how else to, mm-hmm. to really say it. It's, um, it's fun. And of course the ultimate, the absolute ultimate example of this is Jesus himself, mm-hmm. right. uh, the, the, the perfect man of faith who follows mm-hmm. after God. He waits on God. He doesn't push and shove. He, he waits until he's 30 years of age even to launch his ministry. I mean, you know, he, but he's known he's the Messiah from age 12 on. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he jump out there and, you know, you know he, no, he just waited on God to open the door, to tell him, you know, take this step for using his mother again mm-hmm. uh, at the wedding of Canaan, Cana, and uh, to turn the water into wine. And, and in Jesus, uh, we, we, we understand he never sinned. He was tempted in every way that we are as human beings. Uh, he, he didn't know everything. He had, he knew what we have access to. He knew the scriptures. He knew God's word. He believed God's word. He took the testimony of his mother and father. He believed who he was, that test, and he began to walk by faith in that identity as the Messiah. And as he read the scriptures, he began to get more and more insight into who he was and what was the role of the Messiah. He wasn't going to be a military king. He's not going to be a military deliverer. He's going to establish a new kingdom. And so Jesus, and although Jesus was simple, and, and had a simple life, and he understood human nature. He understood mm-hmm. sin profoundly. He understood wickedness <laughs> and the wiles of yes, Satan. Sir, mm-hmm. uh, he and he got that by it, it. All goes to show back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were being tempted by the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could either have learned about good and evil by obeying God, right. or they could have yeah. learned about good and evil by disobeying God. Right. Unfortunately, that was the route they took. They disobeyed God, and they came into a, 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 a personal experience of right. good and evil. They become free moral agents, right. knowing the difference between God and uh, good and evil. I've always liked that, what you're saying now. I've always thought that it's a really interesting uh, interesting kind of view. That's right. Yeah, they, they were, were always in going innocence to, before uh, that. Yeah, right. And Jesus also grew in knowledge, and but he grew from the side of choosing, choosing good right and, and right. choosing right. right. And yeah, I think sometimes a lot of us human beings in the human realm, we talk about people sowing their wild oats and and you know, and, and I will. I mean, I confess that sometimes we do learn lessons through negative experiences. Mm-hmm. We sin, we mess up, and we 
you know, we get drunk and we go out and wreck a car or we end up some kind of disaster. Or And sometimes we do have to learn lessons through that. But And sometimes we think that that's the best way to learn. Mm. And we even encourage young people, mm-hmm. oh, go sell your wild oats, mm-hmm. you know, go get it. And that's, that is totally and absolutely wrong. You, you will learn more about good and evil and about right and wrong. And you will learn more by yeah. obeying mm-hmm. than we do about disobeying. Well, there we have it. We'll get back into some of the stories of these people that we talked about. Elijah, Elisha, About uh, we'll finish up with Ahab and Jezebel. We'll talk about Ben-Hadad, uh, and, and we'll talk about Jehu a little bit more, these three people that Elijah was supposed to anoint. Then we'll come back and talk about... Uh, uh, Elisha in the Bible, uh, him he takes over after Elijah. We'll put a con- I'll explain a contrast. How was Elisha Elisha with an S H A? How was he different from Elijah with a J A H? Uh, what was the difference in their different ministries uh, characteristically? Uh, we'll talk about Naaman, the commander of the army of Aram, who converts to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he, a very interesting story there as well. We'll come back and talk about that in just a moment. Right now, let me give our phone number 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. And let's go to our phone line, though. Uh, someone is already calling and giving us a benefit of their insight and thoughts uh, at the scriptures that we've been talking about. His name is Franklin. Hi, Franklin. So good to talk with you. Ah, Sophie. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God in the highest. Glory be to his name. Amen. You are healed. You are back with us. I am. I have been praying for you so hard. Franklin, I'm so glad. Can't tell you how grateful I am. Healing. Thank you. I'm I feeling really so well and strong. Feeling. <laughs> Very well and, you and strong. Sound better than you've sounded for a while, too. <laughs> so whatever they gave you, whatever it happened, it was good. Praise God. Thank I am you, Frank. So pleased to hear your voice. You are so I just encouraging. Want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your message, for all your hard work, and for your devout soul. Uh, you're Sophie, a I love brother. you. Thank you. You are a wonderful, wonderful man, and this world would be a darker place without you. That's all I called in to say. Franklin, you are so dear. You really are. Thank you. I appreciate that well, so much, more than I can say. And uh, But stay with us here. We're going to continue talking through this wonderful passage of Scripture. It's Our God is oh, great. I, the the I God that we serve, I Franklin, I the God that we serve is so I amazing. Talk to you later. He is. What an amazing God we serve. I'm so glad. Uh, Thank you, Franklin, for calling in. Um, And I've just gotten so many encouraging messages and emails and texts and so on through the week. Uh, It's just been wonderful. Uh, Thank you. And and frankly, I didn't tell a whole bunch of folks what we went through. Just a little bit of a health scare, a little bit of a challenge uh, last weekend. But uh, we've come through it fine and, and it's good or better than ever, I yeah. guess. And, I uh, love how Franklin also just uh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, amen. you know, because it is it is kind of quick and e- it is easy to say. And we do appreciate 
medicine and modern medicine. So grateful for what people in you know science and what they can oh, do yeah. and what we can do. Um, but because I think we lose some of the gratitude that Jesus heals heals he heals he does <laughs> he, he does and, heal. he, and that we say thank you and we return to him yes and say ultimately lord you are the giver and the taker of life and for that's right whatever your purpose uh, you have chosen to leave us here on this earth a little longer each each yeah. each day that we're here and uh and in particular you know i people were praying for you dad know, a lot and uh and that we can say well, he, and he, he, our prayers were, were answered and he chose to, mm-hmm. to say, okay, Franklin, we're going to keep soaping here a little longer. <laughs> okay, Stacy. Somebody's gonna... being punished. I don't know how the... <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> from this little, um, this little adventure. Um, in the first place, I, I have never, um, uh, I'm a few years uh, I, should I tell my age or not? No. What are you? No, I'm just okay. I'm, I'm, I know, I'm, I'm up there a few years. Uh, no, say you're here. 72 years of 72. age. I've never spent a night in the hospital uh, as a patient. Right. I mean, I've visited six people and done uh, that sort of thing. But, but I've, I've never been. I, I, I have been sick. I've had uh, this cold or this or that through the, through the years. Not very often. Very, I've been really very, very blessed with incredible health and strength. And But this was my first time to be in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was interesting. I, I got a chance to, uh, to uh, only the first hours were in any, none of the time was actually at risk. I, I was, went to emergency room and into intensive care room. But, but uh, I, I was not, it was not, I was not unconscious or anything like right, that. And right. so I was, you know, I was, of course, sharing God's love and joy with uh, the nurses that were attending to me and others and, and just had a wonderful time with that and so on, uh, meeting people. But one thing I, I learned talking to the doctors after this incident, after this, and, and of course, I know what it was. And Doctors, there is an amazing thing about medicine. I mean, we have discovered through chemistry, through biology, we have uh, discovered certain things about the way the body functions, mm-hmm. and, and we've discovered some treatments. Now, obviously, there have been natural supplements and treatments that people have known about for hundreds and thousands of years that, that to take care of the body. So, But this body that God has given us, Stace, it... it it is, it's, it's, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It is incredibly complex, yeah. uh, everything about it. And we've learned now how to test it. We've, I mean, I saw my heart, you know, on one of the tests they gave me. I, they, I, I saw, I saw the, my heart up there beating and they put a fluid in my veins and I watched the fluid reach the heart and go through it. It was just cool. amazing. So we're, we're yeah. able to do some astounding things. Right. Yes. About the body and how it functions and works. But, but we don't near know everything. Right. There. Yeah. So yeah. doctors and, and the best of the doctors will totally agree with me They They don't have a God complex. Yeah. They know that, that at the end of the day, it is, yeah. It is. He is the giver of life. And, and, and only God really heals. Right. Uh, we may have some treatments or some 
uh, some medicines that we developed that maybe yeah. help to do something. But it's God created these bodies to to exist, to prosper, to be healthy. If we eat right, if we do healthy things and take care, uh, these bodies are they heal themselves. They, I mean, we're all exposed to COVID. We're all exposed to thousands of viruses and, yeah. and yeah. things every day of our lives. But we have a system, our immune system, that's at work fighting those off and defeating them. Yeah. So it, you know, would never, never, ever give in to science as a religion that we become, that we worship science. Science is good. It, we're, as Einstein says, it, science really at its best is thinking God's thoughts after him. Mm-hmm. And we learn about how things function and work and try to work with God. Not God hasn't made a mistake we're not trying to con- correct God's mistakes, uh, but work with him and tr- in those processes, those natural processes that he has put in place. I, I don't mean to get off on that. I'm not a big kind of a, right. uh, I'm not a kind of, what do you call the uh, activist and, you know, some of the, some folks, anti-medicine and anti, oh, right. yeah. not, not any mean, but on the other hand, there's a little bit of that going on in our world today that we see medicine and, and, um, we go through these eras of maybe history, different pandemics or whatnot, mm-hmm. and we get understandably angry and frustrated and sad and heartbroken because our, you know, God, why would you allow this? And and there's kind of a swing to mm-hmm. well, science, and mm-hmm. and then and then there you come. Well, sometimes into, there's an agenda as well, Stacy. Sometimes sure. people who oppose God and God's plan and God's people. They like to use, sure. for example, the science of, of uh, global warming and, and even the pandemic. They like to use these as a way either politically or in some way or other to gin up fear and power. And yeah. so, so the, uh, there's all kinds of motivations and things and uh, and they're real. And we have to be discerning and we have to be yeah. wise, as we were just talking about in God's word and God's mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. Uh, to know and recognize which is which. But um, that, that's uh, again, uh, coming back to the books of first and second Kings, that's a little bit of what we see here. They're, they're, the good things, bad things go on. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Yeah. And, and we're left to discern, OK. Where is God in this? What is God doing? We're left to, to look for the hand of God working in and through and around and with people's lives yeah. to bring about his purposes. Yeah. That's the important thing. Who God is and what is his purpose? What is what is his what are his ways mm-hmm. and his purpose? That's what we want to discover. And uh, I think the book of Kings can help us as we see God work. Even in these terrible, difficult situations, we got we see God works in them to bring about His own victory. You want to say something there? Oh, I was just gonna, uh, I guess, go on. Sometimes it's in those moments where it is the most complicated, or kind of the most, or it takes the most discernment, the most balance, the most um, intentionality of, of staying on the on the line, <laughs> on truth, and on the line. Um, that is the most worthwhile, and and oh, sometimes, yeah. often, that you know, that does happen in these kind of in uh, tough marriages and strange political allies and yeah, uh, yeah. disappointments when it comes to 
uh, uh, different prophets or different oh, yeah. uh, in terms of kings. The prophets in particular are very interesting in this vein, in this light that we're talking now. Elijah and Elisha and Jonah and Amos. And, and then we have a whole series that preached to, there was a series of them that preached to uh, Israel, I mean to Judah in, in the south. Mm-hmm. Those other, th- those were Elijah, Elisha, Jonah. They preached to Israel in the north, the, the, the confused and lost uh, tribes of Israel. But whether it's uh, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Daniel, Ezekiel, this is one thing about those prophets. I think, and you'll, you folks, you're going to see this slowly now. Even in all this chaos, they speak with clarity. Mm. Even in all the confusion of who's the rightful king and who, are you doing the right decision about going to war, or not going to war. They hear from God. They know God and his ways. And not just because God whispers in their ear and tells them, but because they've studied God's word, they've meditated on God, his character, and they, God reveals to them in the same way that he can reveal to us if we will know his word and obey his word and trust his word and walk. God will, we will gain insight into him and his ways and be able to see. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at the prophets here in this next segment. We'll be right back. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him for His thy health and salvation. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw love that hymn. I really do. Praise you the Lord. Praise to the Lord who wore all things so wondrously Shelters the under his wings yes so gently sustaining oh. I tell you they knew how to write hymns back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they They weren't and not, you know, our writers are getting better and better. I think these days, mm-hmm. our praise and worship, and some incredible, wonderful songs yeah. of worship, and and you can be inspired in some of our modern singing. But for a while, it seemed like it was getting a little maudlin, you know, kind of repetitive, constant, just same thing over, kind of like, um, you know. But uh, I think our musicians have grown spiritually and matured. But boy, back in somewhere back in there, they They had a way, didn't they? They did. They thought they thought great thoughts (laughs) about God and and, and understood. And as if you get to know the stories around some of the hymns, Mm -hmm. like that one, and you learn about the writer of the hymn, and you realize that well, he just lost his whole family in a shipwreck, Mm -hmm. or this happened, or that, and. And so they went through great pain. Yeah. I've often I've often noticed, Ace, that people that I love and admire the most, and they're not necessarily the Billy Grahams or this or the, the great names throughout my life and ministry. The people that I've seen that wow, really that person. I I, I later on discover that they have they have experienced great pain, yeah, great difficulties, yeah. great disappointments. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, they've gone through difficult times. Uh, and, and and somehow I, I do think it, it, not necessarily that, I don't know, but uh, that it automatically leads to godliness and, and depth and maturity. But but there is something to be said for those who have... Uh, he draws near to the brokenhearted, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. the brokenhearted. <laughs> well, we are back. This is the Bible Live. We have only one more segment left, and we've tried to cover some of the times of the kings. We've been reading through First and Second Kings. This last week we went from First Kings chapter 18. We're talking about Elijah and his tremendous battle with the, with the um, priests of Baal and Ahab and Jezebel at Mount Carmel and then fleeing down into uh, Mount Sinai to get away from Jezebel who threatened his life. And then he was told to uh, come back and anoint Hazael of Aram. Now, Aram was the great power of this time. Uh, later, it would shift over to Assyria with, with their capital of of. Um, um, Nineveh. Nineveh. Thank you, honey. Hey, I got one. You've earned your <laughs> <laughs> Nineveh, yeah, with Jonah and so on. But, but now it's Aram with their capital of Damascus, the same Damascus with, uh, today that, uh, that uh, exists, and, and that Ben-Hadad was the king of Aram, and uh, Elijah, Elijah was told to, to uh, anoint Hazael to be his successor. Uh, interesting, uh, uh, getting a prophet of God of Israel to anoint the king of another nation, mm. of another empire, in mm-hmm. fact. Uh, very interesting. And, and he, does, he does that. He is to anoint Jehu of Israel, n- the northern tribes, to become the king of Israel, uh, taking Ahab and Jezebel out. And he is in explicitly told you must remove them yeah. uh, uh, from their power, their influence, because they really come within a, uh, just a breath of destroying the uh, they try to wipe out the the Davidic lineage uh, in, in Judah. So and finally, he is told to anoint Elisha as his own successor, uh, Elisha. So there we have it. He came back and he does that. Uh, Ahab is fighting a battle against Ahab, king of Israel, is fighting a a battle against Ben-Hadad of Aram in the north. And he God gives him a victory, even though uh, he's he's disobedient, even though he's faithless, even though he's disrespectful of God. uh, God gives him a victory over Aram. And but he disobeys. He does not follow God's command to to take out uh, Ben Hadad, and so uh, he disobeyed God by sparing Ben Hadad's life, and then he he himself loses his own life. Then we have the, the this little story in First Kings twenty one. It's a little almost a, between yeah. all of the. See, that's one of the characteristics of of. of um, Elijah's ministry is political. Elijah is ministering 
to kings and to prophets and, and false prophets and to people in power. Mm-hmm. That's Elijah's ministry. And he, he's dealing with with the kingship and with the, uh, who's going to inherit, who's going right. to step up into the throne and big, big themes. And t- Elisha, on the other hand, when we get to Elisha in a moment, we'll see that Elisha's ministry is much more personal. It's characterized by relationships. Uh, he meets. Yes, he does heal the king, uh, uh, the general in charge of all of uh, Aram's army. He heals. God uses him to heal him of, of leprosy. But it's personal. And, and it leads to a personal conversion. Uh, Naaman, who is the name of that, that commander of the army of Aram, had leprosy. And he... In his little servant girl, he had captured a little Jewish servant girl in one of their battles. And the little servant girl said, you know, you ought to go talk to God, uh, one of the prophets, God's man, Elisha. You go go talk to him. He can help you. And so he does it, believe it or not. So there must have been a little element of belief. Now, these people knew about the God of Abraham. They knew about Israel's God, Jehovah. Uh, that one God and, and so on. So, uh, and and they may maybe even he personally admired the idea and the, that understanding of God and had was already leaning that direction. Well, God used this little servant girl that he had captured in battle to get him to go see Elisha, mm-hmm. and he tries to buy Elisha with a bunch of clothes and money and so on. But Elisha doesn't take it. Uh, but Naaman then, this is chapter 5 of the book of Second Kings. Elisha tells him to go um, wash in the Jordan mud puddle, uh, river, I'm sorry. Uh, and, but it's just a little mud puddle. And and he his pride jumps to the top. He says, I shouldn't, why do I have to go bathe? Don't we have more beautiful rivers of that where I live? Why do I? And, and his his own people say, look. If the prophet had told you to give some great thing or do some great deed, you would have done it. But he's asked you to do a very simple thing, to humble yourself and just go do it. So he does. He goes bathe seven times in the River Jordan, and his leprosy is healed. And he has a conversion. Uh, we read about it very clearly that uh, he actually tells in Second uh, Kings chapter 5, he tells uh, Elijah that I'm, I'm going to worship this God, the, the true and living God, I'm going to worship this God uh, from now on. Uh, he's the only God. And uh, this is an interesting, it's a personal conversion he has. Um, let me re- see, I'm finding it for you. Second Kings chapter 5, uh, Elisha, uh, uh, let me see if I can, uh, Okay. Naaman, let me see, his offers, and and his skin became healthy. Then Naaman and his entire party, (coughs) I'm sorry. (coughs) Then Naaman and his entire party, it says in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15, Naaman and his entire party, his entourage, went back to find the man of God. They stood before Elijah, and Naaman said this, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Mm -hmm. So please accept a gift from your servant. Mm -hmm. And Elisha says, No, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. But Naaman kept 
insisting, but he refused. Then, then Naaman said, "But all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this earth from this place. Dirt. It's like people bringing back some people bring back stones yeah. from the River Jordan. Um, so yeah. I want some earth. <laughs> Here he was making fun of the River Jordan before, but now yeah. he wants some of that. <laughs> Give me yeah. some of that mud, yeah. earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other god except the Lord." Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a real, a genuine conversion. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and, and then he says this, Stacey, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. However, by the way, he remembers who he is, and he says to Elisha, However, uh, may the Lord forgive me in this one thing. When my, <laughs> when my master, the king, goes into the temple of God, Ramon, to worship there and leans on my arm, uh, it's my official duty for him to lean on my mm-hmm. arm. May the Lord pardon me when I bow too. What does Elisha Elisha say? Mm-hmm. None of that. You can't do that. If you're going to be a believer, you can't be. Do- no, he says, go in peace. Oh, yeah. And Eli and Naaman started home again. Oh. I don't know. I tell you what, Let's folks. There's see. some little bit of a lesson for us. It's part of what we said before. Yeah. When we walk with it, when the more we know the true and living God in His ways, it. It gives us greater liberty and insight. It doesn't tie us down right. into no. You got to do it this way. You know you can't, you can't, you know, drink real wine in the Lord's Supper. You got to, or you can't drink grape juice. You got to have real wine, or you got to do this. You got to do that. Yeah, we get so stuck on these formulas on these, th- and and we got to be careful uh, because the the deeper in and the higher up we go with God, the broader. It, it doesn't mean the more liberal. I mean, no one could be, I don't think, more conservative than Bill Bright or, or even myself or could be. I, we love the Lord. I love his word, His, his God's word. Yeah. But but we got to know, you know, what's priority. Of, and, and even Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. talked about the liberty that that uh, we have. Right. We have to know, really talk about God's word, not what man right. says well, about God's word. Well, we have to word. remember our tendency is probably always going to be trying to cr- to create God in our image. And I think that that's really what the reminder is, is that we we are not God. We are not the ones in control. He, it is us conforming and, and to him. And uh, to who he is and what he's doing. Yeah. And 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 that means, of course, it's it's, of course, scripture. And but it it means in in, there's there's just there's a lot of freedom in that. They're just really we're not clueless. We know we know Mm -hmm. something of who God is and we know something of his plan and what he's doing and his ways. And we're to learn about Mm -hmm. that and we're to learn how to pray according to his will. So that's the key to victorious overcoming prayer is learning to pray. God's will and I back think, to him. Right. And I think that there's there's also a genuineness. I think we sometimes get a little bit afraid and understandably because but if the heart if we genuinely truly want what God wills, what he uh-huh. is want, then he's going I think we can rest in that. There's a lot of go peace. There's a lot of go in peace. Mm-hmm. Your heart you you want the Lord, you are sincere, you are uh, go, now trust that he knows mm-hmm. that and he's going to orchestrate things just fine for yeah, you. Don't, you learn you to don't. see God, people's hearts, mm-hmm. not so much, not so quick to judge 
their words or even necessarily their behaviors or the mm-hmm. attitudes that might come out. Mm-hmm. You might see someone who appears angry. Uh, one of the uh, nurses that I witnessed to, or, or I say witnessed to, I mean, we just Talked to we had a conversation right, yeah. and, and I listened to him, but he started off being very negative and very hostile. He had been bruised by religion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and he was very... Uh, but as I just listened and took him seriously, and we, mm-hmm. he, he opened up and shared his heart, and and then finally at the end of the conversation said, "Yeah, you know, but I do worry about what if I'm wrong." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. really, even coming to that point of being able to question right. before mm-hmm. he wasn't even willing, you know, to you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, but, but you know, I do, I do worry about what if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and so we the. We we can take that lesson that that we see Elisha and I love, I love uh, dealing it, with Naaman here. Real quick, I, I do love that it was started though with that servant girl. That does show that he must have had yes some uh, uh, that she would have instead of wanting his demise or would have kept that to herself. That she goes and says, "Hey, <laughs> good <laughs> I point. Know, I think that's me. Good point. Yeah, hey. Who's the more? Who's the hero of the story? Is it Elisha or is that little humble little servant girl mm-hmm. who was faithful mm-hmm. and loved God and knew His ways mm-hmm. and pointed this man faithfully toward the true and living God? I tell you what. Someday we're going to be surprised in glory." Who yeah. sitting at Jesus' right hand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going. It may be some little, uh, I don't know, Down syndrome child that just loved mm-hmm. Jesus with all his heart mm-hmm. and prayed for God's people and uh, just faithful and good. We're going. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that <laughs> that's some of the lesson we pick up from uh, the the times of the kings, uh, the people that the. Unusual, humble people that God uses uh, in all of these stories. You keep an eye on that. It's always very interesting. Um, we got to grow in our understanding of God and His ways. Reminds me of my my favorite theologian. You know uh, what? What's his name? The old country <laughs> western singer. Okay. <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, know yeah. when to fold them. Yeah. Know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money where you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the day is done. You know, you, you do like that. You know, it, it, it is. It's, it's pretty theologically sound and, and advanced <laughs> if when you think about it. Okay, well, that's Naaman. Then we have these, oh, the story. Here's another beautiful story in chapter 7 of Second Kings is the story of these four Lepers, they're outcast. They hear that the city is under siege. Uh, they they're surrounded by the the Aramean armies, laying siege um, to their to their city, the siege of Samaria in the north. And these four lepers get shut outside the gates. I mean, out where the enemy is. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it's supposed that they're going to be killed. The, the Aramean army is going to kill them. Well, they're not killing them yet. They're they're just leaning up against the wall still, and they're and they're sitting there, kind of appraising their situation. And they say, you know, we're going to die anyway because of leprosy. of the leprosy and also the famine. I mean, there's no food. We're starved to death, so we might as well go into the enemy camp. Who knows, maybe somebody will give us some food. If not, maybe they'll just mercifully kill us. And so they, these four lepers go into the 
Aramean camp, and and believe it or not, according to the the prophecy, the prediction of the prophet, the the camp was abandoned. All the enemy troops had abandoned the camp and fled. Uh, and so, man, <laughs> all that food was left on the table. I mean, they ate to their heart's content. They drank. They enjoyed a great evening, put their feet up, relaxed, enjoying the evening. And then one of them has a pang of conscience. There's always somebody, right? <laughs> Ruined the party and said, you know what? This this is not a good thing we're doing here. We should we should go tell the others uh that about this. And so th- these lepers say, uh, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went out to the Arame- Aramean camp and no one was there. The horses and donkeys are tethered, the tents are all in order, but there's not a single person around. And the gatekeepers of course spread the news to the people in the palace. And um, and they go out and they're they're, they're saved. The, God keeps His promise through His prophets, and, and they are saved. Uh, the funny thing about it is, one of the king's offers said that couldn't happen. That's impossible. Even if the Lord opened the doors of heaven, and so the man of God said, "You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it." So it was when the people trampled him on their way out the gate, and he was trampled to death. Oh, okay. uh, it's just. I didn't write it. It's just in the book. You know, it's just these wonderful God in his ways, getting to know him. Right. And and the prophets did. That's what I think that's one of the things we learned from the kings. These prophets were men who knew their God. They weren't supermen. They, they didn't, you know, they weren't superheroes in the sense they couldn't read people's minds. I believe they they meditated, they prayed, they thought about God, they studied the scriptures that they had, the Torah, they knew God in his ways, they knew God's plan of redemption for humanity, they knew about Israel's role in that plan, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they knew it, they understood it, and it gave them insight into what was going to happen, what God was doing. And and I don't doubt i'm i'm saying god's spirit could communicate them in their heart and tell them and show them oh that's what's going to happen Mm -hmm. or he may even actually spoken to them as as god spoke to elijah in the cave you know but the point is is that they were they were they were sponges they were there ready to hear about they're eager and they knew they took what they knew of god from his word and they we can do the same thing yeah and i think that there's a they also expect they they I guess the underlying expectation is that he is knowable and that he wants to be known. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that that's actually very important and, yes. and vital that if he is knowable and wants to be known, then by golly, I should make it my absolute life's mission and goal to know him. Yeah, He's God. Take those steps of and, faith, uh, those yeah. steps of obedience. And, and, and those are the steps that lead us to, to know him better. We then he is faithful to act and to um, to uh, on our behalf. He's faithful to it, and we get to see it. Yeah. We get to be a part of it and experience it, and then we grow, mm-hmm. and then we take that to our next level, to our next experience, mm-hmm. and and that's a lifetime. We build a lifetime of 
of knowing and trusting. Now, we never get it down perfectly. We can got to be careful. Uh, you know, the old man can jump up and next thing you know, Soapy Dollar screws up and makes some terrible mistake and, and you know, is is impatient with his wife or, or this or that or the other. And, and you know, God has to teach us something and, uh, but that that's what we get. I think it's one of the great lessons that we get out of the books of the Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to come back finally to this one other story that I want people to focus on. How much time do we have? We only have about a few minutes. But the story of Athaliah is very, very interesting, too, because uh, Athaliah is Je- Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. She's wreaking havoc. Uh, people who were good intention, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, arranged for his city, his son Jehoram, to marry one of Ahab's daughters, uh, the only queen that Judah ends up ever having. Her name was Athaliah. And uh, after uh, Jehu kind of ends the reign of Ahab and Jezebel and ends their dynasty, Athaliah does the same thing by killing all of David's descendants, except this one little boy, Joash. He is saved, and he's saved by Jehosheba, Jehosheba, who is Ahaziah's sister. Her, her, uh, this makes, this makes Jehosheba a family member of Athaliah. Okay. Yeah. Athaliah was her aunt, if I get it right, okay. with their family members. Isn't that interesting that God would even use a family member of mm-hmm. Athaliah, who is the daughter of the high priest of of Baal in right. Phoenicia and an enemy king? Right. He would use the daughter, Athaliah, to Satan would try to use Athaliah to, to destroy, mm-hmm. and he would pull out Jehosheba, who married the high priest of Israel in Judah in the south, and she's the one that saves that one little boy's life, Joash. And they keep him alive for six or seven years in the temple, and then he is brought out publicly. Uh, Athaliah is deposed, assassinated, and they go on now to to serve the Lord for another period of time. It, yeah. It's just amazing a lot of, to uh, see God at work. It's a lot of... Yeah. Fancy names. <laughs> I'm impressed, Dad. Folks, you're so happy you joined us. Go to thebiblelive.com. Listen to the Bible with us this week. All of the questions that we'll be studying next week are there. So we'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's box 18. is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 